Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Good evening, folks. It is... What is the date today? The date is March 29th. 2018. It's the last Thursday of March 2018, but it means we have another episode of Oscar Mike Radio. This is episode 86, and I'm with a guest tonight out of Iowa from the Midwest, the heartland, a, a place very near and dear to me because I grew up in Illinois. I'd like to welcome my good friend Jody to Oscar Mike Radio. Jody, welcome. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, really, you know, excited to have you on, not just because uh, you're somebody new to the podcast, but also you have a really interesting story, and I kind of want to give you a chance to talk about it and what you're doing. And you reached out to me, and you're with this organization about Run for the Fallen, and I had never heard of them before, so I was hoping you could give a, a, a an overview of what they do. Absolutely. We actually have entire two um, organizations run together, I guess you could say. Um, we have America's Run for the Fallen and then Honor and Remember. And America's Run for the Fallen was actually started 10 years ago um, by an individual who um, one of his battle buddies fell, um, was killed in action, and he wanted to honor him. And he wanted to honor other fallen veterans because his goal was he didn't want them to be forgotten. And so he ran across the United States. Um, he honored about a little over, I think, 3,000. And he it ended up growing. And people heard about it. And they wanted to help. They wanted to help donate. And they wanted to do this. And um, they wanted to do the same thing. And then... Uh, my friend George, he actually lost his son in Iraq, um, and he, George ended up, he kind of was, for the first two years, pretty, um, what's the word, I guess, just mute, he just frozen, he, he, he didn't really know what to do, and was, so was he, he Was he up, just, you know, uh, trying to find a way to come back, or... He was trying to find a way to cope, and absolutely, he didn't know how to grieve. He was proud of his son, but, you know, there's still that grieving process. There's still the, my son's gone, and he's not coming back, and you just, you don't move on from that that quickly. It takes a while, and you're never completely healed from something like that because that was your child. That was your loved one. That was the person that was a significant human in your life. And, you know, and George knew, though, that his son, you know, died for our freedom. He died doing what he loved. And that was what kept George moving. And that's what has kept him going. And that's when Honor and Remember was born is 
he wanted to make sure that all Gold Star families were honored. And um, the flag is actually, all the definition is on the website, um, honorandremember.org. And we have also runforthefallen.org. And, and, and it folks, explains uh, on there about his flag and the meaning from it. So this this is start out as a very personal thing. That this, and I think a lot of people subconsciously forget that there is there's a price that's paid when a loved one's lost. And so I think it's great that they have this outlet to make sure those families are not forgotten. And, and you know, if you would, you know, we, we were talking before the podcast, this is a very personal mission for you as well. Would you, would you, want to, would you want to talk to us about that and tell us what this means to you? Um, my brother, Sergeant Rocky Littlewind, um, served in the United States Marine Corps. Um, he joined right after graduation in 2007 and was until 2012, uh, twice deployed to Afghanistan and once to Japan. Um, my brother was very well-liked, very social. He had a lot of friends, um, both military and civilian. Um, the life of the party, he was, um, there was a glow about him. He was just Everybody loved him, and there was not a soul around that hated my brother. Um, no enemies, no nothing. He was just always smiling, and he was the type of kid that um, we were nine nine years apart. And he was the kid that always wanted to make everybody else happy. He was the jokester. He was. He tried. He honestly, if he could have, he would never be serious because he didn't like to be. Um, he wanted to make sure that if somebody else was sad, that he cheered you up. And um, he was a major factor in helping me get over my uh, divorce. He was there every step of the way, just making sure I was okay. And he's always been that type of person. He was always there for everybody else. Um, he He loved the Marine Corps. He, we came from a area that um, wasn't the greatest and he had a tough childhood, but he rose above it. He, he looked on the brighter side. He didn't want to go backwards. He always wanted to go forward. And he was a friend to everybody who knew him. And, you know, after he passed away, I heard from a lot of his battle buddies and it was amazing to just hear a lot of the stories to hear how much of an impact that he made on them. Um, he played the drums in high school and was in the band. He was in ROTC and he just was wonderful. He was my hero and he played army growing up as a kid. Um, Honestly, I thought he was going to the Army. I didn't think of him as a Marine. Uh, <laughs> so the day he called and told me, I was pretty shocked. Um, just always thought he would be a grunt. But um, nonetheless, I was so proud of him. I now, was. If I may, because uh, my sister's uh, 
you know, had the same kind of feeling in, in a way. What was it like when you first saw him in, in his dress blues? What did that do for you as a sister? I was proud. I was just gleaming with excitement. Um, I, I knew the dangers. I knew that, you know, he could get deployed and get killed in action. I knew that he probably would come home with PTS. Um, I do a lot of advocating work for um, veterans and PTS and uh, done some schooling for, P- for psychology and that. So I knew the dangers. Um, a lot of my friends and my family, my ex-husband, they're all military. So I knew that danger. But there's just something about seeing him serve his country. It's, you know, whenever I look at any soldier, um, whether in passing or in a picture, there's that admiration for them. And that was still, that was the best thing in the world is to see that he was fighting for what he thought was right and what he needed to fight for. Um, you know, he didn't want to get into the politics of it, of course, and he just wanted to do what he knew he was supposed to do. You know, he he fought for my freedom. He fought for yours. I mean, and obviously you fought for mine also. Um, and I want to say thank you for your service. I appreciate everything that you've done, Travis. So, um, well, it, it, well, I mean, I, I think your brother would say the same thing I would, is that it's an honor and a privilege and talking to you before this podcast look some people do some things for veterans because it makes them look good but it really came clear to me uh jody that you i'm not saying you didn't love your brother but you really had a deep affection for him that the fact that he was doing this and moving forward with his life really as a sister, because a lot of sisters I know, you know, mine get mad at me all the time for stuff, but you, with all the stuff that brothers do with sisters and their relationship, you really did and do and are proud of what he was able to accomplish. And, and so it's just good to hear that because a lot of people don't understand, you know, that there is a family behind that, you know, soldier, sailor, marine, or airman that 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 serves, and, and there must have been some. I mean, you must have been worried at certain times when he was, you know, you couldn't talk to him every day, or he was overseas, uh, and, and you know, you oh, must, absolutely. And it must have been nice. It's it's nice. I mean, my sister say the same thing. You know, uh, it's nice having that brother to support you. Um, he supported you obviously through some some hills and valleys in life and when it's going good it's great right uh and when it's going bad you you find out who your friends are and your brother's right there it it must have been you know the kind of guy that that you'd want to see happy for the rest of his life he he put the true meaning to be to the saying igy6 um he always had everybody's back he always had mine um i tried to always have his um, you know, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, we weren't just siblings. We were, he was my hero. He was one of my best friends. And, um, that, 
that all in itself is one of the things that keeps me going is because I know that, you know, the last 17 months has been a huge struggle for me. But him, I just know that he wouldn't want me to sit in the corner and cry. And, yes, I do that almost daily still, but um, grief is real. And, you know, well, grief my is brother real, died but... by suicide. Grief is real, but 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 there's no timetable on grief, and and so your brother your brother did die by suicide, right? Yes. Well, um, October twenty third, twenty sixteen. Well, it kind of it kind of leads me into my next question, and I, and I don't I don't think I should, and I don't want to kind of go down that road um, with you for this because it, it's painful enough, but. You know, I, I have had buddies of mine pass on. I, I have helped bury uh, people who have done the same thing. And you, you, people always ask, well, why didn't the family know about it? And I, I did want to ask that because here's where I'm coming from. A lot of times talking to the family is there's no sign. Or there is, you know, he was he was happy. He was putting on a front come to find out. And you just don't know, or you're just not aware of what the signs are. So it's got to be hard. Uh, Well, for me, because of doing advocacy work already for veterans and uh, very strong about it, uh, I knew the signs. I very much seen the signs with him. Um, We talked a lot at length with him about it um, together. And he knew that I was always a phone call away. Anytime he wanted to talk, uh, he had his moments. He, when he got back from his second tour, I would say the first tour was still a little iffy. We knew that he, I mean, I knew he was struggling. Um, he didn't talk about it a lot um, with anybody. A lot of, I think a lot of people really didn't know because he did put on a front. Uh, but he really started more drinking. Um, and I seen that. I seen that as a sign, and I'm just, and I kept warning them, like, dude, you know, you you need to get some help for this, you know, and there's nothing wrong with asking. And I reached out to many people. Um, one of my favorite people actually is uh, Soldier Hard, Jeff Ferrello. Um, I listen to his music. Actually, he just recently dropped an album, by the way. Um, but his music helped me in dealing with my brother's deal. Um, there was another Marine who was in Vietnam, Sergeant Brandy. And I went to him all the time for advice because I wanted to make sure that I approached my brother appropriately. Um, a lot of times if you don't, you'll push them away. And I didn't want to do that with him. Um, so I treaded the waters pretty careful with him at times. Other times we would have all out, you know, vocal brawls because he didn't want to face anything and uh, I witnessed many nightmares, flashbacks from him and um, a couple times I had to take the gun out of his hand and that was probably the hardest moment of my life I think when dealing with him and his PTS was taking the gun from him Uh, And he used to tell me that if he 
if I knew what he had done, he I wouldn't love him anymore. And it broke my heart because there's nothing that he could have done that would have made me not love him. And there was one night where he called me and he goes, okay, I got a 12 pack of beer. Let's go. And he sat and talked all night bawling about what he had done over there. And he thought I was going to think differently of him. And I didn't. And I told him that he was one of the, he was the bravest person that I knew, you know, for being willing to share that with me and tell me. And, um, he still said that it was really hard that he just didn't want to talk to anybody about it. And that in a way he was ashamed because he didn't want people to think differently about him. He didn't want the closest people to think that he was this horrible person. And that's, and that's, a lot of the veterans that I've spoken to is the same story that I've heard over and over. Uh, but the one thing that we have to realize and that, you know, the public has to realize and society and other family members is that you guys were trained to do what you were trained to do. And that was to kill the enemy. And so therefore we can't fault our soldiers and our Marines for that. Uh, so he and go on. Sorry. So 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 the question I have at this point is, knowing what you know, what is the the need that needs to be addressed? What's what's the problem? What's the issue? What's the challenge in your view? Because you advocate for veterans, you you've dealt with this on a very personal level, more than the you know average person certainly. What do you think needs to be done? That's the million-dollar question, Travis. Um, so many of us have asked that same question, and I, I sit and I think about it almost daily um, because with my advocacy work and this, the run for the fallen and how many Gold Star families I've spoken to and heard their stories, and you know it. A lot of it draws back on the mental health issues. The when you're coming back from war, or you're coming back from, and you're even getting out of the military and you're transitioning into the civilian life, a lot of times even like your MOS doesn't transfer to civilian life. So therefore, you're stuck in a rut when you get out. But when you come back from war. You've got so much stuff going on in your head, and you've just been, like, it's a whole nother world when you go over there and you come back here. And everybody, they see this. You know, when a person comes back, um, family members are so happy to see them. They're joyous. They hug and they cry. And they see a whole body. And to that soldier, they're broken. And so we need to fix that brokenness. And we need to make sure that they're okay. But, you know, in the military for so long, and I'm I'm assuming that you're probably bred with this one, too, is that you have to be strong. You can't tell people how you're feeling. You can't, um, uh, what's the word? You, well, well, you can't, you can't really, show weakness. You can't show weakness. You can't be vulnerable because you're instantly going to lose respect. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. But. 
but also to say, you know, and a lot of guys are afraid to say, I have um, a gold star family who um, her son died by suicide, but um, he wouldn't go and get help because he was too scared. Um, and he was active duty, but he was afraid that if he got help, that he would no longer be able to get be in. And so I think that that's a lot of our problem right there is that guys are afraid to, or gals, are afraid to say anything while they're in active duty because that's their life. So many of them want to be, want to continue full-time active military, and they're afraid that their whole lives will be washed away if they reach for help. And that's part of it that, you know, we should, they should be able to reach out for help and still not have it affect their career, which... I mean, I, I haven't served, but I've witnessed it so much, and including with my brother, that I I think that that's one of the best things is that I would rather that our soldiers and our Marines, Coast Guard, airmen get that help while they're in so they can be the best that they can be, which is what they're trained to be, you know. And for that, I think that we're missing so much of the disconnect. And luckily enough, we, we're getting... I think that we're getting better about society knowing more about it, but yet, you know, we're having these struggles of, you know, our veterans, some of our veterans going off and shooting or whatever they are doing, which is not helping. Um, society certainly goes, whoa, wait a minute, they're crazy, you know, and they should all be locked up or they shouldn't have guns, but that's not the case. A lot of them are at their wit's end, and they just don't know what else to do. They ended up, and by the time that they get to that mentality, they're no longer thinking straight. And it's going to take a major uproar to snap them out of there. Um, I have a friend of mine who was a veteran when he was overseas, uh, mortar struck down by where they were sleeping, and he ended up with a severe TBI. They didn't know that. He came home, transitioned out, and he ended up leading law enforcement on a high-speed chase. Um, he wanted to go death suicide by cop um, because of everything that had gone over there. And he had reached out to the VA. The, uh, the VA. VA, yeah, and yeah. no help. He was turned away and um, wasn't getting the proper help that he needed. And he he went and did some not-so-great things. And luckily enough, there was one law enforcement officer, a sheriff, a female, who she thought straight and said, there's something not right by this. Um, We need to figure out what's going on. I can guarantee you 100% he's a veteran. And they radioed in, came back, and they said he's a Purple Heart. He's combat vet, and she said, you're not dying on my watch. And he didn't die, and today he's doing amazing. He's got a little girl now. Uh, He's gotten help, and, I mean, he's amazing. And he went to, actually, ironically, he went to the treatment center in California where that shooting happened um, not too long ago. Oh, wow. But, But he got great help from them. They were amazing for him. Um, as far as what happened recently, I don't know the full story, so I can't, 
I, I don't want to judge that because I don't know the full story of what had gone on. And I've just watched over and over, you know, the struggles of how they just end up giving up because the VA doesn't want to help. Now, we want to talk about opioids and, you know, the medication. In my eyes, all I have seen is drug after drug after drug for our veterans. And they just pile them on rather than getting to the bottom of what is really going oh, right oh, on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I've seen that personally. I've seen where over the course of a year, a guy uh, that I, I knew was homeless started getting off the meds they had him on. And a year and a half later, he was, he, they, they, they just, he took one drug, then take another drug to counteract the effects from the first one. It was a domino effect. So I'm not saying that clinical uh, medicine is not good. It, it is. But for a while there, that was the uh, standard practice was just to medicate him until, you know, the symptoms went away. So I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Right. No, and I'm not saying that it's all bad. Um, from my experience, I just don't personally like, you know, the vets being given so much. So it's, I think that we write a thin line on that one of what can we do to uh not have to give these veterans so much medication. And I was recently at uh, Bass Pro in Independence, Missouri, um, and ran across, there was a, a booth there for a retreat center for veterans. Um, and they were doing a raffle and all that. And it was just a really neat thing because, a lot more people have, you know, a lot of veterans are starting these businesses and these retreats and these nonprofits and different places for our veterans to be able to go and to just kick back and get, the, you know, and that's what we need to see more of. Uh, and so I think that these nonprofits are amazing because when they get the camaraderie of each other and they get to go do something that isn't so stressful and they can just kick back, lay back, um, and do hunting or fishing or this. That's their stress relief. And so seeing these retreats coming around, it's amazing. And I, I really love hearing about them. I get really excited. Um, I was super excited when I came running across that one. I talked to the owner of it, the one that started it. Um, it's area was beautiful they showed me some pictures and just amazing and there's a lot more popping up now um, because a lot of people are wanting to help our veterans a lot of the veteran-owned companies I mean we have Pelbo Hollow Project um, I'm not sure if you've heard of him Corey Schiller he um, is in Florida I think I pronounced his last name right maybe not um, sorry Corey if I didn't but um, he actually made my brother's bracelet, um, and now he gives out plaques to the families of the fallen. And he's now making T-shirts, and you know do, he's doing his part. He's also a Marine. And so for these veterans starting these companies, it's their healing process from what they went through. And while it will never leave them, 
it helps heal them to the point that they can function in society and be successful citizens. And to where a lot of them are saying, I'm doing much better. I don't need the medication. Right. Uh, there is now also a transcendental uh, meditation, something that's really um, helping. There's a retreat center in Virginia. Um, I believe it's Boulder Crest um, Retreat, I think it's called. And um, that is actually something that they're using in their program to help veterans. Um, I've heard a lot of great stories about how that's helping. So there's so many different options for veterans out there that help. There's a lot of different organizations on Facebook, too, that are out there and wanting to help. Many of them ran by veterans. Uh, That Condition Red was created uh, shortly after my brother died. Um, The person that created it, uh, one of his battle buddies had uh, completed suicide several days after my brother did. And that's what um, helped him. He, you know, he just was like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And so for him, let's create a Facebook. Let's, you know, reach out to those who are struggling, who are saying on Facebook that they want to die. They don't want to live anymore. Let's reach out to them. Let's, you know, be their battle. But let's, you know, IGY6. Um, so that was a big thing. And I was a moderator on there for a while and helped out. Um, and for me, it was just helping that individual, helping that veteran stay alive so their families didn't have to go through what mine did. And I think that that's a lot of the reasons I, I do what I do. So speaking of doing what you're doing, um, you're involved with Run for the Fallen. You've got a run coming up. I was hoping you could tell us more about that and if anybody's listening, how uh, they can help out. Absolutely. Um, well, um, we are a nationwide relay foot run and tribute to every military service member uh, who's died since October 12, 2000. Um, we are going 6,000 miles, uh, nearly 20,000 fallen veterans from Fort Irwin, California, April 7th, and ending in, um, on August 5th, 2018, in Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, wow. So, of course, we're looking for, um, you know, runners to run these. Um, you can also go on YouTube if anybody's going, well, what What are you talking about? Uh, what do you mean that runners? Well, um, we have several videos on Facebook or, yeah, excuse me, YouTube that will show you exactly what we're doing. Um, so we obviously need fit, you know, runners and we, we want a lot of the, um, especially the veterans to come out. Cause we know, I mean, of course, if you're active, you really need to stay fit. Uh, and so they run and then every mile they stop and they read a mile, a marker for their, um, the fallen hero. we, try really hard or we really want the gold star families to make it. Um, this run was when it was created, um, this time around, we had to go by date of death. So, um, unfortunately your loved one probably might not be in the same state that you're in. 
um, which is the hardest thing. My brother died in North Dakota. He's going to be in North Carolina, so I don't know that I'll be able to make it. Um, but um, so we try to give some time in advance to let you guys know that this is where your loved one is at um, and going to be honored. Um, so throughout that run, we go about 50 miles a day. We do not go over it. Um, the whole run is mapped out. I did not make that run, or I did not have any part in creating it. Uh, um, so we go the one mile, we read the mile marker, and then they take off and go again. Um, so it's a very quick thing. It's um, They don't stand around and chit-chat. They literally run, read it, stop, go again. Um We will be flying four different flags, which is the American flag, the state that we are in. So for me, it will be state of Iowa, um, the honor and remember flag. And then we have the honor and sacrifice flag, which is for law enforcement, first responders, firefighters, um, EMS personnel. Because we want to give our tribute to them and show our respect to them because they're a major part in uh, with our run, there are a lot of our escorts, and what they do in you know in their lives is putting their lives on the line, also just as much as our veterans do. Which a lot of them are doubled up, you know, a lot of military, a lot of law enforcement is military. So we definitely you know want to honor those, so we fly those four flags. Uh, we run about four to six runners at a time depending on how many. We want to have 16 to 24 a day at least uh, so we don't wear each other out. Um, You run for about two miles and then rest for six, depending on what and how in shape you are. It's up to you also. You make that ultimate decision, Uh, but we also don't want to wear you out. And we do have EMS following along just in case anything does happen. And then at the end of the day, um, we have a ceremony we stop at 5 o'clock, and I know that there's some time change in some of the states. I'm not really familiar with it, but uh, so at the end of the day, we have a, a dinner and a ceremony. And basically, in these towns, that we have certain towns that we're stopping at, and we ask, we get together with the town, and we reach out to them, and we get the towns involved. We want the town to own the event we want you know the public to come out and see so, us so running a, a real community event absolutely we want our community veteran communities to come out we want you know we want everybody to come out and see this and see what we're doing and see why we're doing this uh, and then so we have this dinner and then we have a ceremony for gold star families um in which I don't know how many people know what the definition of a gold star family is. It, it is actually, I think the criteria is changing a little bit. Because um, originally a gold star family meant that your loved one was killed in action. Um, it is changing. I believe the definition is that if your loved one died uh, due to suicide, that um because of their you know, time of service and what they went through, then I do believe that is actually going to be um, added as part of you know, the gold star description. So what we do is we hold these ceremonies with our honor and remember flags, 
and give them to our Gold Star families in honor of their loved ones. Um, it's heirloom quality. This is an amazing flag. Um, the It's beautiful. It's handmade. Uh, and at the bottom, their names are embroidered. Um, the hero's name is embroidered. And then we give these to the families as a tribute to their fallen loved ones. So it's uh, definitely... It's, just, it's a beautiful moment, and there, we have a lot of videos that actually have the presentations on there also if you want to watch those. Uh, and so we end our run in August, obviously August 5th, in Arlington, Virginia, at um, the National Cemetery. So it's all about you know, just giving tributes. Um, we have on our database, if you have not signed your hero up or you don't know if they've been signed up, Go online on uh, runforthefallen.org and you go under Find a Hero and click and see if they're under there. If they're not, go ahead and add them. If you want them, if you want to be able to receive a flag, and we never ever charge, we don't take money from the Gold Star families for these flags. We find no, donations no and sponsorships. No money? No money at all. No. Okay. Um, and so, and, you know, family members, um, can run um, also if they want, but they do have to keep the pace. Um, and then if whoever's running also has to um, get their own transportation to the um, to the event. We do, for the runners, um, if they're, like, spending the night there, and then we do provide lodging for them. We also provide um, food and water. We're looking for donations. And if you go online, you can see the events and our, you can see our schedule um, that we have. So you can see and, where we're going to be at. And uh, I'll get some more information from Jody and have a list of uh, items you can donate in the blog post for the uh, podcast. So that'll be there as well. It's just, I guess for me, this is just another way that... Um, you could take something that's very, very negative and very, very sad and very, very personal that happened to you and your family and, and try to turn it into something that can be uh, uh, positive for someone else going through the same thing. And, and, and I just, I can't say enough how important that is and, and why I'm just honored to talk to you at this time. We also do have another way to, along with the donation, we do have virtual runs. Okay. Um, so if you want to go on there and check it out, um, you get a T-shirt and you get a little medallion thingy that goes around your neck. And by the way, I will have no participation on the running part because you don't want to see me run unless I'm being chased. <laughs> and even then, I'm going to ask for a donate. So definitely not a runner. I wish I was, but I don't have that. Well, but we're definitely and... looking for more volunteers and runners. This is an exciting event. Um, our founder, George, will actually be on the route with us. Uh, if you can't make it to your loved one's uh, mile marker, please let us know. Um, call in. We will try to make sure. And we will also be live streaming this run the entire okay. time. Um, so you can always log in and check in and see you know where we're at and what we're doing and 
it's really going to be exciting, and this is why we really want, I mean, we want our governors to know about it. We want everybody, because um, it's one of the largest, uh, probably the largest run. I actually have one of my runners, and I I want to say this because I'm really super excited about it. Uh, one of my runners on the first day is, last year he ran across, I believe it was last year or the year before, one of the last two years, he ran across the state of Iowa for veterans, and he is also a veteran himself with a gas mask on. Uh, he's the masked veteran of Iowa. And so I'm really super excited to get him on board. And then I also have one of my other runners. She ran the Boston Marathon four years ago. So it's, I think it's going to be amazing as long as we can get runners. And let me stress you enough, by the way, California is the first state, and we really, really, really need more runners and more volunteers in the state of California. Really? So, yes. Um, we're struggling on the runner aspect of it um, throughout the whole run, so we definitely want to make sure that you know, you're reaching out and we do you know we have a runner requirement, I guess you could say, um, because you do have to you only spend about a minute at each one of those mile markers, but we also honor sometimes more than one um, at that mile marker, so it's really important that you know you're able to keep up and they're able to abide by what the requirements are because we always have a really long day and quite a run. I mean, we have 6,000 miles to go. So, and I'm only doing the state of, I'm only doing the state of Iowa and it's, it's been um, interesting. I actually have taken on the role also of the Iowa chapter for honor and remember, which um, with the honor and remember, we give out the gold star families uh, for legs. And there's actually a run here also in Iowa called Iowa Remembers. Um, And I know that they're doing a 5K in September. We're hoping to collaborate with them and work with them so we can give out more flags. Um, There's still a lot of flags that need to be given. Um, There's been waiting lists, unfortunately. The hard part is, is it does cost to make these flags, and so therefore... That's one reason why we're asking for sponsorships and donations is to help us with the flags, help us with our hotel rooms if we need to. Um, along my route, I've reached out to a lot of military and gotten, we're staying at armories. Um, so we've, and let me uh, kind of laugh at this one because we picked a wrong time to be in Iowa because AT is happening, advanced training. So it's happening the following week after my run. So it's been a little bit of a struggle because people are getting ready for that. But I've had a lot of great reception from it and people wanting to help and wanting to come around. I had one town that literally took charge, and I'm like, okay, have fun, and which helped me in the long run. I've, had, I've got a great team behind me. We also have the Patriot Guard writers uh, in full support. All right. Um, Love law enforcement. Oh, they, they're amazing. They, um, one of my good friends, Arlen Halverson, up in North Dakota, he's captain up there for the PGR. Um, I reached out to him after my brother died, and he was a major help with that in getting the PGR. And, and it was cold. It was in October, and North Dakota's cold, you know. So overall, it's, this event, is it's been healing for me. 
I've only been doing this for a little while. I took it on, not realizing that it's it's a lot of work, but it's been exciting. Um, it's it's powerful in so many ways because it's a blessing to be able to do this uh, and to give back to our veterans and to make sure that our loved ones, our fallen heroes, are never forgotten. And that's that's the biggest thing is because so many of them have been forgotten. And when you sacrifice your life, you don't deserve to be forgotten. No. No, you don't. Well, I will have all this information from Jody on the blog post site. And, you know, again, people, you know, one of the reasons I, I created this podcast was to highlight stories like Jody's. Um, you know, service uh, comes with a cost. Folks, I just want you to know that I will be dedicating this podcast to the memory and service of Sergeant Rocky Littlewind and also to the, the outreach and work his sister does on behalf of veterans uh, everywhere in the United States, in America. So um, we appreciate uh, this family's dedication to our military and veterans. Jody, it's just one of these podcasts where I just kind of be quiet and let the other person talk because uh, of just what's being said. It just is, is very real and authentic. And, you know, you know, while I'm not a Gold Star family member myself, I, I have been in funeral details for veterans and, you know, can't imagine what you and your family have gone through. A lot of us in the military, we appreciate what you're doing now. And that is, you know, we don't ever heal um, completely. We will always have the grief behind us. We will always have that longing um, for our loved one. Um, you know, the day that he died, him and I were Snapchatting, and he had said, hey, should we go have dinner this week? And I was like, okay. And I hadn't, you know, we hadn't seen each other for a while. And my brother drove a semi for Coke, and he's he hauled the big ones, like the two trailer ones or whatever, the enclosed trailers. And so he was always taking pictures of this stupid truck, and I would always tease him about that. And I'm like, your truck is so stupid and ugly, stop taking pictures of it and putting it on Snapchat. And now what I wouldn't give for that picture again. What I wouldn't give to see, and I don't have Snapchat anymore. I just can't do it. Um, but what I wouldn't give is to see that message, you know, that my brother is snapping a picture and sending it to me or saying, hey, let's go have dinner. Hey, let's go shooting or this or that. Um, my brother was an avid gun and knife collector. He loved guns. Uh, ever since he was a child. So, um, and while that's the hardest thing is the fact that, yes, he went, you know, on how he went out um, and how he died, but I'm not going to lie, I'm a true supporter of my Second Amendments, and I'll never stop loving my guns, I guess you could say, but um, his death rocked my world. Um, including his girlfriend, her kid, his girlfriend, his, her kids, um, our other siblings. Um, 
it wasn't what we were expecting. I mean, deep down, I'm not going to lie, in the back of my head, even though he always used to tell me that he felt like he was a coward if he was to go out suicide. Um, I always deep down knew the if, I just didn't know the when. I always wondered in the back of my head if it would ever happen because I knew him really well. Uh, He was the type of kid. Him and I were really close to the point where, I mean, there was times we just knew that something was bothering each other and we would send each other a message, what's up, why, or we would call each other. And I mean, there's times I called him and he's like, how did you know? And I'm like, dude, it's just his sister's intuition. And I lost my hero. I lost my best friend. Um, my world crashed. Uh, my sister, she's the same thing. Our world just crashed. Um, I've been hurt, mad, and pissed off at the world. Um, there was days where I couldn't get out of bed. I just wasn't happening. Um, I went back to work right afterwards. I was gone for a week after, and that was the hardest thing in the world is to go back to work and try to maintain. The whole world is continuing. But my whole world stopped. And so I think for a lot of people, they don't realize the world just keeps going. And we're sitting here screaming, stop, my brother just died. You know, and, but yet we don't want it put back up on us. Um, and I, I'm not sure how many know, but the siblings are actually the forgotten ones of death. Uh, and in the grieving process, we're the ones who want to take on that role of protector of the parents, of everybody else, want to make sure they're all okay. But we're the forgotten ones because everybody just thinks siblings. But in actuality, we're the ones that usually spend the most time with that sibling. So therefore, for us, our whole world crashes because now we're thinking, I don't have my sibling. I don't have my sibling to talk to. I don't have my sibling to hang out with. And I was, you know, I was older than him. So to me, I was supposed to go before him. He was the baby. And when he was born, I made him a promise that I would always protect him. So therefore, when he died, I felt that I couldn't, I I didn't protect him. I failed. And that's what I thought for so long. And there are still my moments, my negative moments in the back of my head that I failed him. But I tried prior to that. I tried to get him help. And I know that recently, just before he died, he was trying to reach out to the VA and get help. But he was turned away. Story of our life. Story of so many veterans. And until we start really, you know, helping our veterans, we're going to con- we're going to continue to see the suicide rate go up. Um, but what I want to say to our veterans is that there is help out there. There are groups on Facebook. There are groups everywhere. We have a lot of our veterans becoming musicians, and they're letting their music out like that. Um, I have a friend of mine. He is also a Marine, David Boleyn. He's Amazing with his music. Uh, 
you know, there's John Preston. I mean, there's so many of them out there now that are using their PTS as an outlet. Um, They're singing as an outlet for their PTS. You know, Soldier Heart, he started rapping. He started using his music as a way to deal with the struggles that he had had. And he's got many of them on his Redcon 1 team uh, who have also seen combat. We also have Boone Cutler. And he's a huge advocate um, for the military. And, you know, of course, he's got this wonderful stuff called Warfighter Him. But I don't know if we could put that on there. But besides the point, um, so there are so many other veterans that are just willing to take you in. They're willing to wrap their arms around you and say, I got your back. I have your six. And if you're feeling that low, just, you know, get on Facebook and just type my name in and I'm, you know, I'll find a way to help you. I'll find another veteran if you don't want to talk to me. I'll find you another veteran to talk to. Just don't get so low that you go out the same way my brother does. So your family has to go through what I'm going through. Um, It's something I'll never get back. And PTS is real. We know that. Um, I had a lot of trauma from when I was a child, so I do have PTS, so I do know that struggle. But suicide is even more real. And it's an end to a small solution. Our loved ones, yes, are now at peace, but we are no longer at peace. No, so it never ends, and it never is going to feel completely good. Um I would say, you know, as we draw to a close, though, that your willingness to share this story, your willingness to be open about how you feel and about the relationship you have with your brother and what you're doing now gives gives me hope. And if it's giving me hope, hopefully somebody else will will internalize that and reach out, like you said. They're, they're, and you're right, there's so many people out there that, are willing to lend you an ear, whether it's through a Facebook message or a text message or, or, or you know, to go old school, a phone call, uh, there's help if you want it. And I think it's really great that you're willing to be helpful to somebody, even though, um, well, I wouldn't say even though, but you, you've experienced this up close and personal, Jody. So, I think we need to listen to what she's saying about trying to just say help. And, and, you know, we're us military guys are bad about that. We are. <laughs> I mean, I, I still don't like going to the doctor. I'm going for a 10 year stretch next time. Um, but that, that, but my point is, is yeah, it's hard to ask for help. It's, it's very hard to ask for help. And, and sometimes well, and the other thing that I can say to you though is, and I know this, some people might take this the wrong way or get mad at me for saying it. Don't use your PTS as a crutch. You know, don't blame your life problems completely on it because you can rise above it. You can you can make a whole life for yourself. You know, and don't be like, well, I'm pissed off and angry at the world because I have PTS. Okay? So does half the other people in the world. But you can rise above it. And it's it's not a bad thing to ask for help. You know, it's 
and it's good to, you know, reach out and ask and talk to somebody else. It, and I have gone to counseling, and it's all, it's, it feels a lot better. You know, or I reach out to a friend of mine, and I say, hey, you know, I'm struggling today. You know, and so you know, don't blame every, you know, everything on the PTS. We know that that's you know, part of it. We do know that. And that might be the root of things. But also remember that don't take everything out on you know, your loved ones because someday they might not forgive you. And that sounds bad, but that's hard for the loved ones too. So understand that, you know, while PTS is not curable, PTS is manageable. And so, therefore, you can get the help that you need. You can have a long, productive life, even with having it. And that's all that I can say. I mean, I might make some people angry when I say it. But, you know, just don't take it out on the ones that you love or, you know, say that you robbed the convenience store because you were upset or you're mad or pissed off at the world or you drew a gun at a law enforcement officer, you know, just get the help that you need and use your noggin a little bit, you know, it's like God gave you it. And just know, I mean, there's so many of us out there that want to help. So therefore, at times, when you use that excuse, you know, we kind of go, hmm, there's plenty of us out there. There's so many of us out there. Don't be afraid to reach out. Well, Jody, I, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. I'll go so far as to say if you ever want to come back on and talk about your experience, um, other outreach that you're doing, or maybe a follow-up to uh, this run for the fall and run, you're welcome back anytime. Again, this is why uh, the podcast was created, uh, to give people like you a voice, and what you said to me is going to stick with me for a very long time. So I just want to say thanks, and and I really appreciate uh, your time this evening. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, folks, all the information for the Run for the Fallen uh, run, it will be in the blog post site. Uh, along with contact information for Jody in case you uh, want to help out or just simply reach out. You know, time flies, but this has been just a, a really, again, one of those episodes to me that's just kind of stick in my mind for a very long time. So uh, we're Oscar Mike Radio, and we are out. <laughs>